1: It's February 12th, 2021, and this is episode 279. You are invited to join me and our newest sort of awesome regular, Katie Proctor, as we talk about the intersection of the Enneagram and our reading habits. We're going to be sharing about how our Enneagram types impact what and how and when we read and We have a ton of feedback from our awesome community representing all the numbers, all the types of the Enneagram to share with you guys as well. Oh, and we're also going to share some of our favorite books about the Enneagram later in the show. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you find conversation friendship and community. We are so happy that you have found your way to the most awesome community of women you're ever going to find. You can find that community all over the place on YouTube or TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. If amazing women are gathering in a spot, you can find sort of awesome there too. And you guys, I'm so excited that as I just mentioned, Katie is joining our crew as a regular here. You know, my sister, Emily Harris has been popping into Sorta Awesome as a regular for so long now. So Katie Proctor is going to be our newest regular. You guys met her at the end of last year when she came to talk about books that you might have missed reading in 2020. Katie, welcome
0: to Team Sorta Awesome. Thank you, Meg. I am so excited to be here when you asked me to do this. My smile was cute. (laughs) I just was so excited. So (laughs) thanks for having me back.
1: Well, I have to say that your episode was one of our most popular episodes in all of 2020. I think all of our readers were like, wait a second, stop everything. I need to hear what Katie has to say. What did I miss in reading this year? And for those of us like me who just, you know, I love to read, but I really fell out of the habit last year. It was so helpful to have your overview for us. It was very, actually very awesome. So I'm so glad because
0: it was really fun to prep for and record for. So
1: Well, speaking of having so much fun, I know you and I were just talking off mic that we both had so much fun putting together
0: this episode.
1: We're going to be talking all about the Enneagram and like sort of the overlap or maybe how the Enneagram, how our Enneagram types influence our reading lives, whether it's the kinds of reading material that we pick up. Are we more fiction readers or nonfiction readers? When do we like to read? How do we like to read? We have so much to talk about just between the two of us, but then we asked the awesome community. We asked in both of our superstars group. That is our hangout on Facebook that is just for our Patreon supporters. We call them superstars around here. So we asked in that group for some insight about Enneagram and reading habits. And then we also have a sort of awesome spinoff group. So our main community on Facebook is called the sort of awesome hangout. We have a variety of spinoff groups from the main hangout. One of them is called sort of awesome Enneagram lovers. So we asked in that group for some insights. We got so many responses, Katie. I know you had so much fun. Yes. You had fun. I had fun. We read through every single person's response. (laughs) So yeah, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Enneagram and reading today. We have a lot of ground to cover. We are going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. But before we do, of course, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, product, a podcast, a movie, just whatever is just making life a little happier. So Katie, I cannot wait to hear what you brought
0: this week. Okay. So this week, because we have almost been like in COVID quarantine for a year, my uniform of choice has been leggings and t shirts. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Totally. But yeah. I have found my favorite leggings. They are the best ones. My sister sent them to me for Christmas. They are from a company called Beyond Yoga. Okay. And their specific name, and we'll drop that link, is yes. the spaced Y, like spaced Y E out pocket, high waist, midi leggings. Okay. Um, that's a mouthful. <laughs> I know it is, but listen, these leggings are soft as butter. They're made out of a polyester and lycra grip blend. You can wash and dry them, which is like what? Cause I usually hang up my leggings. Yes. yes. That's magic. Oh my and gosh. They have two pockets. Oh, wow. That are like deep enough for a phone with a case on it, which is amazing. And they're super flattering. They don't have any weird like lines anywhere or seams. They're just really comfy and really good looking. Also, Beyond Yoga is a woman owned company based out of California. And they do a lot of work to prioritize inclusive sizing, which I love. And also everything is made right here in the US. So they're a great company. They yeah. are pricey, but they are worth it. They are so comfy.
1: Oh my gosh. I am loving everything that you were saying about this. I mean, you had me with butter soft, of course, that's <laughs> like the Holy grail when it comes to leggings, but all of the other things too. And I'm especially digging on the size inclusiveness. I feel like it is 2021. If I come across a brand that is not size inclusive, I've been like, what are you doing here? Yeah, <laughs> I up. agree. I love it. <laughs> okay. So tell us The specific name of the ones that
0: you're loving again from Beyond Yoga? Okay, Spaced Yee. Okay. Out Pocket High Waist Midi Leggings. They have a ton of other products. These are just the ones that my sister happened to send me and they are the ones that I'm in love with at the moment. Perfect. Loving that. We will definitely have a link for you guys to check that out. Okay, so
1: I am bringing this week as my Awesome of the Week, a podcast. You guys know I love a podcast. So this is a brand new discovery for me, Katie. I've shared this a few places. I really shared this on a recent episode of Sort of Spicy, which again is a series that we do for our Patreon supporters, where we talk about things that we don't talk about on the Friday show. And I talked a little bit about how during the quarantine, I have become so true crime obsessed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am so into all things true crime. So I do hang out in some true crime Reddits, subreddits oftentimes people are sharing podcast recommendations. So this podcast recommendation came to me from the good people of Reddit. (laughs) 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 And it's so funny to me, Katie, that I found this podcast on Reddit because it's actually made right here in central Oklahoma, right where I am. So isn't it funny how sometimes it takes the internet to bring you to the things that are just right around you. Okay, so let me tell you about this one. Okay, it's called Madness Madness. And the premise of this podcast is two sisters. Their names are Erin and Amanda. They are sisters. They are both librarians. They have a lot of fun together. They're like, you know what? We're tired of doing making decisions for ourselves. Let's join a cult. Oh, <laughs> that is not what I was expecting. You right? Saying. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so their concept for their podcast is they want to join a cult, but where do you even start? There's so many to choose from. And so they went through and picked some notable cults, some really famous ones like Scientology, and then some that you've never even heard of. And they put them into brackets like March Madness style. So that's where the podcast name comes from. Instead of March Madness, since we are talking about cults and cult leaders, (laughs) it's Madness Madness, which I think is so fun. So fun. So what they do is in each episode, they take two cults. And again, some of them you will be really familiar with. Some of them, it's like, I never even knew this thing existed. And they do the research for you. And they have a list of questions for every single cult. Same list of questions like, what do I have to wear? Can I leave if I want to? I think one of the questions is, who will think of the children? It's really fun. It's very irreverent. I will give you guys the language warning there. It's definitely a grown up podcast, but it is so hilarious. They are so funny in their descriptions of what's going on in these cults. And again, it's all under this sort of big concept of
0: hey, if we want to join a cult, you know, we got to think this through. It's got to be like a logical decision. (laughs) That's so creative and also a little bit creepy, maybe. Is it creepy? Does it creep you out? Yeah, it definitely,
1: definitely goes into territory of hilarity instead of creepy. Although some of these cults that they're describing, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's so fascinating to me, just like on a human experience level, how, how can you look at this set of beliefs and practices and be like, you know what, sign me up. Yes, I'm there. (laughs) So anyway, again, Erin and Amanda are right here in Oklahoma and truly they are so funny and so clever and just put such a funny spin on these cults and you know like would it be a good decision to join one of these so the, the podcast is called madness madness you can find it in all of the places I'm thinking where you find
0: your favorite podcast so yeah it sounds really fun and really unique I've not heard unique. of anything else like that So
1: no, I think that's what I'm loving about it too I feel like you know podcasting's been around for a while now and a lot of concepts have kind of been done and rehashed and reinvented and those types of things. But this is a pretty clever spin on this topic, I think. So it's been a lot of fun. Okay. So I will put a link in the show notes for Madness Madness. And of course we'll have Katie's leggings that she is loving for you guys in these show notes as well. So those are the things that are awesome in our lives right now, of course, we would love to hear from you in our communities about what is awesome in your life. And I meant to say this at the top of the show, but speaking of people joining the sort of awesome team, we also have recently welcomed a brand new member to our team who is taking care of our social media communities. Lori Lynn Tucker is a longtime awesome. She's also a superstar, and she's also extremely gifted when it comes to running social media communities. She already has taken the reins, especially in our Instagram community and is bringing so much new life, excitement, enthusiasm, creativity. She is rocking it for sure. So if you haven't found us on Instagram yet, you can find us at Sorta Awesome Show. And come and check out what Lori Lynn has got going on for us over there. And of course, we'll talk about Awesome of the Week over there. And we always talk about it in our Facebook community, which I just mentioned a few minutes ago. It's called the Sort of Awesome Hangout. It's over 5,000 women who come together to just support each other, give recommendations, give feedback on life issues, and just have fun hanging out together on the internet. If you haven't joined us, we'd love to have you at facebook.com slash group slash Sort of Awesome Hangout. Katie and I have so much Enneagram stuff to talk about. We're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Hey awesome's, you know I love talking about Bombas because Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They have literally rethought every detail of the socks we wear to make them more comfortable. I wear them all the time. In fact, I'm wearing one of my favorite pairs right now. They are so warm and cozy. They're a Fair Isle print that I got years ago and oh my gosh, have they totally held up over time. Wash after wash, they are still so comfortable. But these socks do more than keep feet cozy. They help give back to the most vulnerable members of our community. Because for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of over 3,000 giving partners. And the impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. So give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off of your first purchase at Bombas.com awesome. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot awesome for 20% off of your first purchase. Bombas.com slash awesome. Friends, you know, here at Sorta Awesome, we are super about you taking really good care of yourself with great self-care routines, and those routines are more important than ever. So whatever you are using to get ready for the day should make you feel amazing, and I am here to tell you, you are not going to find a more amazing shave than with a Billy razor. Razors can be so expensive, and then it's such a bummer when you are using your brand new expensive razor and you get cuts and nicks anyway. You guys, that is not going to happen with a Billy razor. Billy makes the best razor out there for those days when you want an extra smooth shave. Best part is no pink tax, no visit to the drugstore, and no breaking the bank. You can go to mybilly.com to get their starter kit for just $9. It is so affordable and it includes their award-winning razor, two refill blades, and their cult favorite magnetic shower holder. Now, I'm 43 years old. I've been shaving my legs for a long time. I've never used a razor that I love as much as Billy. And my teenage daughters who are brand new to shaving are loving their Billy razors as well. Again, you can go to mybilly.com and to meet the razor that made everyone start talking about razors and to express a little love for sort of awesome, go to mybilly.com slash awesome. It's a small way that you can support us while getting the best razor you will ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit plus free shipping. Always go to mybilly.com slash awesome. That's spelled my dot com slash awesome. Okay, Katie. Before we get into our discussion about Enneagram and reading habits, reading lives, give me a little bit of background on where you are with the Enneagram, like your history, tell us your number. And then like, when did you come into discovering Enneagram? Where are you with the Enneagram at this point in your life?
0: Okay. So I first heard about the Enneagram from you Oh wow! um, on Sorta Awesome and then kind of got interested in it. I i am a liar on personality tests. So when I have taken the love languages test, when I have taken this one, probably Myers-Briggs too, which I'm not real sure about my type over there. But when I take them, I take them like I want to be not like I am. Yes. So you sort of try
1: to game the system a little bit. Right. right.
0: (laughs) So got results all over the place, decided I needed to read a book. So I bought The Road Back to You by Ian Crone. And Suzanne Stabil, and that was a really good overview of all the types, and I actually avoided reading the chapter on Enneagram threes, which I am a three, mm-hmm. because I was like, "Yeah, I don't feel like this. this is Yeah, not great. <laughs> and so I think I saved that one till the end and read them kind of out of order. So mm-hmm. I went through a phase where I thought I was a nine for a while, thought I was a one. hmm. And then I kind of landed on a one. I was like, I'm a one when I'm working, when I was teaching at school, I did a lot of one ish type things, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I listened to a typology episode where Ian Crone had on a guest who was a one and she went through all of her stuff and he was like, "Yeah, you're a three. And (gasps) she was like, oh, so she went away and then came back later. And so then I listened to her second half and she was like, totally, I'm a three. And she went through her process of how she figured that out. And so then I really started to look more at the three and I was like, yeah, this is me. And you know how it's in the Enneagram when it starts to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, oh, yes. that's probably your number. And so Absolutely. that's how I landed on the Enneagram three and everything I've read since it just feels really like, yeah, that's me. I am more on the introverted side of Enneagram threes. Okay. okay. I think my wing is a four, like my four wing is stronger than my two wing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little bit more introverted, but uh definitely am an enneagram 3. I love that. Thank you for kind of catching
1: us up. As you all know, we've been talking about the enneagram for years. I like to say that we were talking about the enneagram before anyone else was. <laughs> for me,
0: <laughs> although, you were.
1: <laughs> <laughs> although, you know, it's this ancient system of understanding people, so I guess we can't take too much credit for that. But truly, we've been talking about it for a long time here and as long as we've been talking about it, you know, Katie, I honestly still feel like I'm still learning things all the time. There's so much wisdom there. There's so many different ways it can be applied. I mean, there really is so much there. So I totally identify and it resonates so strongly with me. Maybe even just glanced over the three overview. You were like, yeah, I'm going to just pass that (laughs) by. That's when I first read just the names of the different numbers in the Enneagram. When I came to Nine, the Peacemaker, which I am, I was like, there's a lot of Enneagram numbers you can be. I am not a nine, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I totally am. So, yes. So, you all, if you've listened to Sort of Awesome, you know that we've been talking Enneagram stuff for years. You can go all the way back to 2015 to hear our Enneagram episodes. I might dig up and try to put some links in the show notes for some of our past Enneagram episodes, if you are new to Sort of Awesome, because we really have had some good ones through the years.
0: But so Katie, do you feel like it's sort of a recent discovery for you, Enneagram and being a three and those types of things? I think it was about a year ago that I kind of landed on that. And then since have done more reading and more research into that and kind of digging into how I can use my Enneagram number for self-care and my, you know, how I relate to other people. And that's been really helpful and really kind of life-giving. So I'm glad I found it. So thank you for introducing me to it.
1: (laughs) You are so welcome. It is our pleasure because truly it has been so helpful in so many ways for us. For me personally, it's been helpful for us as a team. It's sort of awesome and the behind the scenes stuff to kind of know where different people are coming from their different perspectives. It's been helpful in my marriage. So yeah, it can really, really explain a lot about why we see the world the way we do. So speaking of that, when you and I first started talking about this episode, we were kind of tossing around the idea of talking about some nonfiction stuff. I love nonfiction. I read a lot of nonfiction. You had even suggested maybe we could do some nonfiction. And you just kind of mentioned in passing that I feel like sometimes as a three, that that kind of informs how you go about just like what it is that you're reading. Are you picking up fiction or nonfiction? How often you're reading. And that's what really kind of got us thinking like, you know, what would be fascinating is what if we just talked about the Enneagram and how it impacts our reading lives. So I would love to hear from you a three. So just as a reminder, we're going to give, as we go through this, we're going to kind of remind people who maybe are not quite as familiar with the Enneagram, just a little snapshot of what each of these types are. I'm going to be using Enneagram Institute's sort of terminology because I feel like they've been around for a long time. They are sort of one of the leaders in the Enneagram community. So I'm going to be using their terminology. You may have heard different terminology. It's all good. But so our threes are our achiever types. They can be very success-oriented. They can also be really pretty pragmatic, which I think you probably saw in yourself as a teacher, you know, kind of just like how that would apply there. They're excellent at adapting. They are driven to excel in things. They can be a little image conscious. So talk to me about being an
0: achiever and how that impacts your reading life. I always set a yearly goal. I do this on Goodreads and and then I track my reading like pretty meticulously on Goodreads and also in a journal. I have a little bullet journal that I started this actually just this year to start tracking because I like to track stats. Like I like to track what kind of genres I'm reading, the author's gender and race of the books that I read, uh, how I rate them. And how I read it, like if it's audio, if it's ebook, if it's a physical book, or if I borrow it from the library or from my shelves, because I have a lot of books from my shelves and I'm constantly getting teased by my husband and children about how many (laughs) books I have. So yes. I also love a to-do list and I love to make sure that I include nonfiction in my reading, but nonfiction isn't as fun exactly as fiction. So what I do every month is I like lay out the days of the month and then I choose which nonfiction books I'm going to read. And I actually write down, you're going to read chapter one of this book on this day. And so my nonfiction is very much plotted out for either a set number of pages or If I'm listening to an audiobook, I'll sometimes do like a percentage, like I want to get to 4% this day and then 8% this day. Wow. (laughs) And then as I get through those every day, I check them off and that's my little achievement for day. I have gotten through my nonfiction. So that's how I do nonfiction. My fiction is really more of a mood thing. Like I have a stack of fiction and then, you know, maybe I'm in the mood for a YA, maybe a middle grade. And so I just pick whatever looks good out of my fiction stack. I like to read new books, but I also like to read some of the popular backlist ones because I always want to be ready with a recommendation when anybody asks. When I was teaching, my favorite thing was like matching a kid with their perfect book, especially if it was a kid who was like a reluctant reader and didn't think they liked to read. I wanted to be the one who gave them like the perfect book that got them into it. Yes. So that was my favorite thing. I like to do that for friends and family too. Oh, man. Yeah. I have a little bit of a completist problem. So DNFing books, like do not finish, did not finish books is really hard for me, but I'm getting better at that and owning it a little bit better. Yes. (laughs) Life's too short to read books you're not totally loving. So yes, 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 yes. Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. That makes so much sense. I especially loved what you said about how great it makes you feel to know that you are the person that matched the reader to the perfect book that just unlocked that enthusiasm and that the reader super enjoyed it. In fact, I just mentioned very recently on our reunion show with Laura Tremaine, my awesome of the week was The Extraordinaries by TJ Clune, which you recommended to me. Yes. I super loved it. I'm still thinking about that book, especially now because Daisy, my oldest, who's 16, is reading it. And she's like oh, halfway, fun. yeah, she's like halfway through but she gets, she's got school work to do. So I'll be like, if you read any more, I can't wait for her to finish. So we could just have this big discussion about it, but we
0: both are loving it so much. So I'm so glad I loved it too. It was really fun.
1: I also do think it is interesting because when you were describing your approach to like tracking reading, that does actually sound like what I would imagine how a one would take on because ones are. They're the reformer types, but they can kind of also be known sometimes for their perfectionism or being really goal oriented. But you know what's funny, Katie, is when I was reading through the responses, I feel like a lot of ones, not many of them, weighed in and said, Oh, yeah, I definitely use a tracker or I am all about accomplishing that reading challenge. I Mm -hmm. think a lot of ones feel like, and we'll talk about this later when we get to the ones, but I think as opposed to threes who really feel that sense of accomplishment of like really having done something, I think ones, or more prone to kind of escaping into reading. It's a part of their lives where they can be a little bit more relaxed and not have to feel like they have to do things perfectly.
0: Yeah, so, I can see that. Yeah. I definitely feel like reading is an accomplishment, like something to do that I said, I did this, but I have to be careful about that because then it kind of takes the joy out of reading mm. too much. If I'm like, yeah. I got to do this, I got to do this, and it's not as fun anymore. So there's a balance there between accomplishing it and then enjoying it.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Totally. So, all right. Well, I'm going to share a little bit about how I approach reading as a nine, which it's so interesting because nines move towards threes when we're healthy. I think that threes move toward nine in unhealth. Is that right? (laughs) Under stress, I guess I should say. (laughs) So maybe some of this will resonate. So as a nine, I definitely, definitely especially if I am under stress, will use reading as a way to avoid. Like I can just completely lose myself in a book. And if I am under stress, like I will avoid all of the other externals that are happening around me because it really does offer such a true escape from reality. And honestly, this is kind of weird, but I do find that when I am in a healthier mode, so if I am moving towards three, sometimes don't make reading a priority because I'm just doing, doing, doing so much, which, you know, a thing for nines is we definitely, Suzanne Stabile as an Enneagram teacher who turned me on to the fact that nines are like the lowest number, like lowest energy of all of the Enneagram and threes are pretty high energy. So I think that when nines are moving in that three direction, we actually have that surge of energy. We're like, just trying to get things done. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I can see that. Cause I definitely have the opposite effect when I'm in stress, my energy level is low and I want to avoid all the things. So yes. definitely identify with that.
1: Yeah. Now you mentioned DNFing a book did not finish. I struggle to DNF a book, even though I totally agree with you. Life is too short to read books you don't like, but I struggle because I feel like inwardly it's going to hurt the author's feelings if I don't finish it, <laughs> even though they will never know.
0: <laughs> I, don't I feel that hard because that goes into a lot of my like rating decisions, which yes. I need to be better about. But I know since I've written and published a book and you have too, mm-hmm. you know, how much work goes into that and how yes. much of your heart and soul you have pushed into this book. And for yes. you to say, well, wasn't that good, or I'm not even going to finish it is painful. So I yes. understand that. Oh my gosh. When you said that reminded
1: me that years and years and years ago, when I was co writing a book, Spirit-Led Parenting, when I began the process, I remember saying out loud to anybody that would listen to me, I will never judge a book harshly again. Even the book that I think is the worst, somebody put so much time and effort into that. And so that definitely impacts how I review books. In fact, if I don't like a book, I would never leave a negative review on it. I mean, unless it was like I thought it was maybe like dangerous or something, but otherwise (laughs) I would literally, if I just didn't like it, if it wasn't for me, I would just pretend that book never happened and move on to the next thing.
0: I do that. When I DNF, I just like remove the book from my Goodreads shelf so that nobody even sees that it's there. Just Just just, going to quietly, yes, I'll just set this to the side. There's just never
1: going to speak of that one again. (laughs) Yes. So some other things about being a nine, I wonder if this is specific to nines or not. I absolutely love memoir because I love people's stories. Now, I don't know if that is maybe more of my ENFP side coming in because ENFPs are all about connection and understanding people. So maybe that's more ENFP than nine. I absolutely avoid books that are stressful or upsetting. In fact, Katie, my tolerance for stressful books tops out in like the YA age range. (laughs) If it's YA stressful... I can handle it. But beyond that, I'm like, no, it's too much for me, too intense. (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. I absolutely, one genre that I just never read, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is family drama. I think it's because nines have this thing where they just understand and can get into people's shoes and like sort of understand their experience so vividly that there's something real triggering for me about family drama. Again, even if it's totally fictionalized, I'm just like, this is not fun. This is not an escape for me. I need to put this to the side. Somebody else could read this. It's not for me.
0: (laughs) I can understand that. I don't love family drama either, especially if I'm in like a stressed out place because it makes me just like cringe and feel, Yes, I don't want to be in this room with these people right now. I get it. Yes. That's exactly how I feel like I don't want to be here.
1: I I need to escape from you guys (laughs) and my own life. So, (laughs) so that's how I kind of feel about nines. I'm going to talk more about nines here in just a little bit, but I thought it would be cool if we broke down the Enneagram into some of the, like what the Enneagram calls intelligence centers. These are triads. So these are groups of three within the Enneagram. Again, we've talked about this before on Sort of Awesome, but just as a reminder, there's three intelligence centers. One is the gut or the body triad, one is the heart triad, and then one is the head triad. And so I thought we could break it down that way to kind of talk about what's going on with each of these Enneagram numbers and what they have said in their own words from our awesome community when it comes to reading. So you are three, you're right in the center of the heart triad. One of the main interesting things to me about the heart triad is that they this kind of has to do with their relationship with shame, which I know as a three, you're probably like, What's shame? I never have shame. I don't know what you're talking about. Shame does not exist. <laughs> Threes tend to really repress any
0: feelings of shame that they might have.
1: But shame can really inform a lot of things for the heart triad. And so that's their sort of unifying thing that's not necessarily going to come into play when it comes to their reading habits. But that is, as you look at the Enneagram as a whole, that's what unites this triad. And these are our the, Enneagrams two three, and four. And so Katie, since you already started talking about the threes, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we heard from some of our other achiever types in our community?
0: Elizabeth said, I read because I like having the knowledge to contribute to conversations. And also because I like making recommendations to others, being the go-to person a lot of my friends for book recs. So I really identified with that. And I think that's a lot of the reason that I read nonfiction is because I want to have that knowledge for myself, but then I also want to be able to like speak intelligently about certain topics, especially things that are going on like right now. So Mm -hmm. definitely feel that. Emily said, I'm a three and I almost exclusively listen to audio because that way I can be more efficient with my time. By accomplishing chores around the house or on my commute, I struggle to sit down and hold still. I also almost always read nonfiction books that will help me learn, grow, and achieve my goals. The sitting still thing is a thing that I struggle with a lot. I went to a yoga class with a friend who was instructing it about a year and a half ago. And you know, at the end of the yoga class where you're supposed to like lay down and be totally still, she told me afterwards, she was like, You were the only person who was not still. I had to move a toe or a finger or something. Like, I had to be moving because I could not. I was like, I am wasting time here laying on the floor. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. So I get that. And I yeah. listen to a lot of audiobooks while I do laundry and dishes and all the things too. So definitely. Yeah. And then just a couple others, Kate and Kim are both threes who shared about being in book clubs. And they always read the books and are super prepared for discussion. So their comments both had something to do with that. And I can see that being a three thing too. They want to be the ones who are informed and they want to be the ones who are ready for the conversation. So
1: yes, 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 yes. So it, it is interesting to me. Because I do see that thing, like the wanting and being compelled to always be ready with that information, I do think could be a sort of like manifestation of how threes will do almost anything to avoid feeling ashamed. I would imagine for a three to show up to book club without having read the book would just be like, why, why would you do that? <laughs> Nightmare situation. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's go one back and let's talk about the twos. So just as a reminder, twos are our helper types. Now twos have big energy for sure. They are the ones who are the caring type. They're very interpersonal. They're very demonstrative in how much they care for people, very generous with people. Some of the more difficult struggles for twos can be that they can get trapped into being people pleasers. They can become a little bit possessive of the people that they care for. So that's kind of like the dark side of The two, but overall, the twos are big energy, loving people, so many great people that I know that are twos. Talk to me about what we heard from our community about what it is to be a two who's also a reader.
0: Dion said, I'm a two and I read lots of self-development books or fiction with family stories. Sometimes I hear a podcast where an author is talking about serving others and all the different ways they serve others. I think I should read that book. But then I look at it and decide that I already know what's in the book. I love love that that. comment. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Sabrina said, I am a two and have trouble finding time to read because I'm busy doing stuff for others or my family or the many other shoulds that plague my mind. Mm, Yes. I thought that was Mm -hmm. very quintessential too. Yes. Tessa said, and I love this. She said, reading is a delicious form of self-care that if not scheduled in can fall by the wayside because you're too busy reading to your kids to ensure they inherit your love for books. And she also added that she loves memoirs too. Yeah. Yeah. And then one more, Katie said, I've realized more and more that as a two, I need someone to get behind. I want to love my characters. I cannot abide full on unkindness. As far as my outward reading life goes as a reader who is a two, I will buy almost any book for anyone if it's a way for them to feel loved.
1: Oh, I love that. Those are all just like, yep, that totally rings true (laughs) for every two I know. I love it. That's so great. Okay. So that leaves us with the fours. My sister, Emily, is a four and I've gotten to know so much about fours and how they view the world. It has strengthened our relationship, I feel like, so much. Once I really clued into the fact that my sister is a four, the fours are individualist types. They can be sensitive or withdrawn, but they're definitely expressive. They can be dramatic. Now, again, sort of dark side being that they can be a little bit temperamental, sometimes a little preoccupied with their individuality, so invested in it that it's difficult for them to admit that other people might understand them. So I'm so
0: curious to hear what fours had to say about their reading lives. So just a general overview of a lot of the fours commented that they were mood readers for sure. Mm -hmm. Kristen said, I'm a four and I read to escape or calm down. Katie said, I very rarely read books with lots of hype surrounding their release. (laughs) That's peak fourness right there. Like if everybody's into it, they're going to be like, no, 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 no. That's They want to be unique and individual and not read the popular books. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Sarah said, I read everything. I especially love a character driven epic historical fiction, like where you follow generations of family over years and years, which oh. for me right now is like a nightmare, those yeah. kind of books, but I have loved them in the past. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. Corey said, I'm a stay at home parent and a four. I feel like reading gives me a way to have something special or interesting to talk about, even just with my husband. I don't generally read violent or extremely suspenseful books unless I know I can binge them during the daytime. They just impact me too deeply. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And then one more, Anna said, I'm a four. The C.S. Lewis quote, we read to know we are not alone, perfectly encapsulates the reason I read. My three and five wings play into it too. I like to share. I like goals. I need to know things, but ultimately it's to know I'm not alone.
1: Oh, that's so great. Yeah, that is a beautiful part of being a four, especially a healthy four. A healthy four, and I know many, many healthy fours, they definitely are steering away from that thing of like, nobody understands me to being more open-hearted and being like, I want to understand everybody. I know that we're all on our own journeys and I want to appreciate the journeys of others. And so I think that's a beautiful way to say it. So yeah, I I love that. Okay. Well, we've only covered one of the three triads or intelligence centers for the Enneagram. So we have more to cover so much more Enneagram talk to come when we come right back. Okay, Awesomes, as we all know, trying different wine is one of the best ways to find a new favorite, yet sometimes buying wine that I've never heard of before uh, doesn't pay off, literally. It is such a bummer to go to the store, pick out a brand new bottle that has a really pretty label, but then you get it home and it tastes awful and it ends up being such a waste of money. But when you have a First Leaf Wine Club membership, it's like being a VIP in the world of wine. I can discover top-rated wine that I love at an exclusive discounted cost with practically zero. Effort. First Leaf is a wine club that sends personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world right to your door. Every bottle is handpicked by experts with your exact preferences and palette in mind. No more guesswork and no more letdowns. And you'll get an incredible wine at a much lower price. First Leaf works directly with world class winemakers to save you up to 60% off of retail on award winning wine. And Unlike other wine clubs, First Leaf uses an algorithm and your feedback to curate future wine recommendations, which means that your shipments will only get better. We have loved being customers of First Leaf. I cannot tell you how excited we get when we get our new shipment in. It is so fun to unbox it, to open it up. I never peek to see what they're sending us because I love being surprised. So, opening up a box that has six brand new bottles of wine that I never would have heard of, let alone have gotten to check out at such an incredible price, is so much fun. This is a great time to discover new wine like a VIP by becoming a First Leaf member. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to try First firstleaf.com slash awesome. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash awesome. Okay, Katie. So we talked about twos, threes, and fours. Now we're going to go back and talk about nines again. In fact, let's just go ahead and move to the next triad or the next intelligence center. And this is going to be the one I'm in. This is the gut triad, or some people call it the body triad. Our thing, so twos, threes, and fours in the heart, like, so the heart is primarily concerned with how they respond to or try to avoid shame. For my triad, the gut triad, it's about anger, which again, if you ask me or any nine, we're like, what even is anger? I would never be angry. (laughs) (laughs) Even we don't know that we're very angry. (laughs) (laughs) But truly, nines are really invested in repressing and avoiding all of that anger. Whereas eights, which is so interesting, eights are known for being sometimes maybe a little bit more the aggressive ideogram number. Mm-hmm. They can be a little bit more in your face. They, they're like really trying to manage how much anger that they have. And ones, again, they're going to be more repressing. So eight, nine, and one is the gut triad. So I wanted to tell you a little bit more about what other nines had to say. So I thought this was interesting because I was just saying, like, I can't read anything stressful. Well, one awesome named Carlia, said that she does she said, I don't mind reading stressful fictional books, but I absolutely cannot read stressful nonfiction. Something about real versus not real is different in my brain's processing. She said, therefore, I can't do true crime or anything too emotionally taxing in my nonfiction, which I was like, okay, I totally get that. If I'm going to read something that is stressful, I would much rather it be fictional. And then I was like, why do I have this true crime obsession? <laughs> this does not exist. You're a special nine. I'm a very special nine for sure. Lots of nines weighed in with what I said that they would never, ever, ever leave a bad review because they would be so afraid of hurting the author's feelings. Or even, like Kim said, she thinks it might even hurt the feelings of somebody else who loved the book. <laughs> so you can see that we nines are like, we're super invested in avoiding hurting anybody's feelings about anything. Right. Let's see. Lindsay, I thought this was really interesting. She said, as a nine, it takes me forever to get momentum with a book. Again, I was talking about how nines can be so low energy. Momentum is a big thing for nines. So she said, I will spend seemingly forever, months even, slowly working my way through the first half of a book. But once I hit the halfway point, if I'm in, I'm in and I will finish it fast. So I thought, you know, that is so true. For nines, we do, momentum is such a thing. If we're flowing with our momentum, we are unstoppable. But if we haven't gotten into the flow yet, oh my gosh, it takes us forever to get anything done, including reading a book. That makes sense. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Let's see. Oh, I thought this was really interesting. One nine named Andrea said, signs of my nineness and how I read. I'm pretty stubborn about certain topics. Self-help or fix your life books, no thanks. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that was so good. And a couple of other people weighed in that they do not like as a nine, they do not like a self-help book. They That's the thing about nines. We really can be quite stubborn. And so if we are not interested in fixing a problem in our lives, we will dig in our heels and be like, no, ma'am, do not even try to tell me a solution. I am not interested in a solution. I will not read your book. <laughs>
0: Whereas threes will be like, I will read any self-help (laughs) book because I can solve any problem with some more knowledge, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: A number of nines weighed in as fours did. Nines can be big mood readers. Again, I think it has a lot to do with uh, the emotional momentum that you need. So like, if I'm not in the mood for anything heavy, I'm absolutely not going to pick up. It can be the person I trust most about books can be like, you have to read this book. If it's heavy and I'm not in the mood for heavy, I'm not going to read it. So- A lot of nines kind of weighed in with that. So my friend Kate, who's a nine, said, type nine here. And like many things, I'm either all in all the time or I'm at a zero. (laughs) So she said, I needed an escape in 2020 and read around 90 books. I bet I hadn't read 90 books total in the 10 years prior. So that's significant. And then she said, she's sticking to it and reading a hundred books in 2021. At the time that she left this comment, she was about to finish number eight already. So yeah, totally digging it. So that was the big theme that I found for Nines is that a lot of it has to do with just the fun, the escapism part, like I was saying, like avoiding life and avoiding stressful things and also just getting into that flow, into that momentum. And then, like I said, once we're in it, you can't stop this. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So let's talk about ones, because again, I do think that you might relate to a lot of this that you hear from some ones that have weighed in, but then also can see some big differences between the ones and the threes. So ones, you guys are, like I said, they're the reformer type. They can be really rational. They can be a little idealistic. They're very principled and very purposeful in their approach to life and can be a little bit perfectionistic, can be a struggle for our ones. So here is what one said, and so many ones had so much to say about what this one had to say too. Kayla (laughs) said, I am a one, and it's really hard for me to quit a book, even if I'm not really enjoying it. She said, I'm very motivated by my goal for number of books to read in a year, and I also have to really talk myself into reading what I want to read in the moment rather than what I feel I should be Mm. reading. So many ones say, I feel like I have to read these books that I should read. Alyssa said, as a one, I feel a lot of pressure to read the right books. I have a long list of should read. And that can really lead me to paralysis when I don't want to read, where I don't want to read anything because I'm rarely in the mood for the should read books.
0: (laughs) That'll kill a reading mood for sure.
1: For sure. For sure. So Jessica, who is our creator and admin of our sorta book nerds group, which is our reading spinoff group. She talks about how she's a one and she loves setting reading goals and accomplishing them. So again, kind of mirrors that three thing. And then others like Anna said, I absolutely love the immersive nature of books. And I also enjoy the feeling of finishing books and checking them off my list. I thought this was super interesting. She said, I'm very hard to please, particularly regarding endings. And it's rare that I don't have some critique of a book. I thrive on overall reading goals or challenges. I naturally gravitate toward fun, light books, but challenges and goals help me tackle the books I know are important and will probably love if I make the effort. I also hate the feeling of dread when you know a character is going to make a terrible choice and you just want to go and fix it for them. And she said, it's hard for me to read incredibly unlikable narrators. I was like, oh yeah, ones are really bothered for the most part when people in their lives that they love and care about are doing things the wrong way. (laughs)
0: I wonder if that's driven a little bit by the nine like avoidance of conflict thing like they don't want you Ooh, to yes. make a mistake because they don't want to watch you have to go through the inevitable conflict that's gonna happen afterwards that's
1: a great insight yes I love that one more thing Alicia said I find romance books she's a one I find romance books annoying and impractical <laughs> And I saw a a number of ones who said they just, they cannot read romance. I never thought about a one not liking romance because it would be impractical, but I can see how that would be true. (laughs) That's (laughs) funny. (laughs) All right. And then finally, the last one in the gut triad is the eight. I was just talking about how they can be known for being pretty aggressive. Well, the eight is the challenger type. They are described as powerful and dominating. They're very self-confident and decisive. They can also be a little willful according to Enneagram Institute, their words, not mine (laughs) and confrontational. Now I was so afraid Katie that not many eights were going to weigh in. I wonder if eights in general just do not have time for Facebook community.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're too busy like saving the world and being an activist for all the things.
1: Yes, absolutely. They totally are. Okay. But so some eights did weigh in. When eight, Tiffany said, I'm an eight and I have very little tolerance for characters that make poor decisions. I also really like when bad characters get their comeuppance and good characters get justice, which I was like, oh, that's the perfect eight thing to say. eights, because they do have a lot of big energy, but it really is a lot of the time that energy is about correcting the wrongs that exist in the world Mm -hmm. and bringing things to justice. That is a huge motivator for eights, especially those that are moving in health. So I can see how an eight would be like, no, no, no. I have no time for your bad decisions (laughs) and I want everybody to come to justice. (laughs) Let's see. So Kelly was another eight. She said she's an eight and a big reader. She likes a good mix of fiction and nonfiction. But, and I thought this was so great. She said, I feel weird about sharing much about what I read in general. I feel like that would reveal too much about me. And make me feel vulnerable. And if oh. there's one thing that eights do not like is feeling vulnerable. So I thought that was good. She also said that she really prefers audiobooks too. And this really reflected what you were saying, Katie. Kelly said that she likes those because she can do something else while she reads. So she can mm-hmm. pop in an audiobook and exercise or cook and do yard work, which I like to do that too. I listen to a lot of books. A lot of my reading is on audio because I like to do stuff while I'm listening. Let's see. So Ellen is an eight and she says, I'm an eight. I call myself a reader that doesn't read that much. I love to read and used to read all the time, but I have a hard time prioritizing it now. So when I do read, I need for it to be an escape. And so I'm a way better fiction reader. And then she said, once she gets absorbed or obsessed in a book, she will power through it in a day or two like we were just saying, eights are out trying to save the world. And so even if they maybe really do love to read, they also, you know, twos might find it hard to prioritize because they're taking care of people. Mm -hmm. Eights might find it hard to prioritize reading because they're trying to do so much stuff. So I thought that was a good insight. Okay. So that is the end of the gut triad or the body triad. Let's talk about the last three numbers here. This would be the head or like the thinking triad. These are types five, six, and seven. And this is the group where they're really, their main thing, it comes back to anxiety. So we have the heart triad with shame. We have the gut triad with anger for the head triad. Anxiety can be a thing, whether they are dealing with it, trying to manage it, or they're just totally avoiding it. So Katie, why don't you start us in right in the center of the head triad with our sixes. Our sixes are going to be our loyalist types. They're very committed. They can be very security-oriented. Sixes tend to be very engaging, responsible people, but they can be a little bit anxious and skeptical. So talk to me about sixes and reading.
0: Okay, so Anna said, I am a six, and while I can't quite nail down my reading habits, I have noticed that if I see something untrue or inconsistent or questionably researched in what I'm reading, I'm very tempted to toss the book away. Even if the faulty fact is not central to the book's message, I have lost trust in the author. Mm. So I thought that was good. is want to feel safe and secure yes. and so they want to be able to trust what they're reading. Whitney said, I see reading books that will teach me something or enlighten me as something to accomplish, but I turn to lighthearted books as a way to escape stress and anxiety. Makes sense. Totally does. Yep. And Stephanie said, I read a lot of horror, which I was surprised by that. But she said she does think it helps her anxiety living through fictional, stressful situations. She can get some good tips if she's ever in some kind of similar situation. Again, that's like the perfect sixth thing to say. I love it. And then one more, (laughs) Melissa said, as a six, I look to others for security. I am constantly performing a mental evaluation of whether I can trust people. And if not, I tend to keep them at arm's length. The same goes for my book characters. I do not enjoy an unreliable narrator. That literary device is very disconcerting for me, especially if I previously had deemed the character to be honest and trustworthy.
1: Oh, yeah. So loyalty is a huge thing for sixes. And if it's a character, the narrator
0: themselves who betray the trust, yeah, that could be a problem. And then there were a couple sixes who chimed in and said that if they find an author that they love, they are loyal to that author. They will go back and read all the backlist. Or if it's a series, they will read all the series all the time, stick with that with that author. And I like that those comments too.
1: Totally makes sense. Love that. That is so six for sure. Okay. Well, we also in this triad have the enthusiast type. These are our sevens. They like to go out and have fun. They're enthusiastic about everything. They are busy and fun loving, spontaneous, versatile. Their kind of dark side is they can be a little bit easily distracted and a little bit scattered. So I'm so curious how that would impact them in their reading lives. What did you find out, Katie?
0: Okay. So Becky said, I am an Enneagram seven and I 100% read for the adventure, whether it's the adventure of learning something new, understanding another culture or escaping in a fabulous novel. I am forever curious about all the things I hate, hate, hate boring books. And I absolutely never read anything twice, no matter how good it is. (laughs) (laughs) So I like
1: that one. Yes. Totally.
0: Yeah. Sarah said, I'm a seven wing eight. And while I love reading, I usually only turn to it when my personal life is a mess and I need to escape. Almost always fiction, unless it's a super juicy story. Whenever I do read for funsies, it's usually because it's a new book with a lot of buzz and I get FOMO. So opposite of the fours, yeah, like to read the buzzy books. Yes, totally. Tanya said she's perfectly happy reading more than one book at a time which makes kind of, sense. You know, yes. Yeah. to All the things I'll say yes to all the things. Yeah. Marie said seven here. I've always read for pleasure. My favorite kinds of stories are larger than lifestyle mysteries, fantasy fiction. I enjoy realistic fiction or nonfiction sometimes, but I feel like I should read those genres to balance out, but mostly I want fun stories with happy endings.
1: Yes. Oh, definitely. Makes I can sense. see that would be a huge deal breaker for a seven for sure.
0: Yeah. And then Kelly Gordon weighed in because she's a seven. Yeah. And she said, all the fiction I read must bring me fun and hope, which is why I am a fan of YA literature. Mm-hmm. I also read a lot of nonfiction because I like to learn. That's true.
1: You know, sometimes we think that sevens are just all about getting out there and having fun and they definitely do love that, but they are part of the thinking or the head triad. So sevens are definitely very intellectually motivated and stimulated as well. So that's a great insight yeah. for them. Yeah. Well, speaking of our intellectuals, we better talk about the fives. Save the best for last, my husband might say, because he is a five. But so our fives are the investigator type. They can be intense, you guys. They can be. They're pretty cerebral. They're highly perceptive and they can be very innovative when it comes to their view on life. They can also be a little bit withdrawn, prefer isolation to the point where, again, that would be under stress, where it's just not even like a healthy amount of downtime. So I was super curious. Now, not many fives weighed in. So I did get a few responses, though. Kelsey said, I'm a five, and I think it absolutely affects what I read, mainly in that I read about everything. My drive to be knowledgeable and competent has me reading books about everything from nutrition to interior design to homekeeping to the classics. You get the picture. My strong four wing enjoys moody and gothic literature but you better believe I have to have a happy ending. If not, what even is the point? Which I thought that was so funny because spies really can be so pragmatic. Like, what's the point of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. But, you know, Kelsey touched on something that I've seen in my husband. Now he's not really one to sit down and read a book cover to cover, but once he is into a book, he's all the way in. and He can zip right through it for sure. He reads some nonfiction. He's not really a big fiction reader, but he reads all day long, whether it's long read, nonfiction on the internet or industry stuff that impacts his career. He's always reading something. And I think it kind of drives him crazy when our kids aren't that into reading. He'll be like, why aren't you just read something? And so I think he definitely prefers the nonfiction. Although a lot of five said that they absolutely love, sometimes if they're in the mood for it, they just want something light and fluffy. hmm in fact, Tracy, who is a five wing six said that she reads a variety of genres, but she's got to be in the right mood for a specific book. So she can never make a list of books that she wants to read, but like she doesn't have that working TBR list to be read list. She'll just pick a new one when she finishes a book again, very pragmatic, just based on whatever she's in the mood for. So another five named Carissa weighed in and said, as a five, you probably think I love nonfiction, which I was just, I think my <laughs> husband does. She said, but I use podcasts for that. I really don't like motivational books. She said, I love immersive fiction with good, realistic characters, and theoretical fiction is one of my favorites. She said, I can talk way too long about dystopian literature. Ooh, goals or reading plans make me itchy, but I think (laughs) I need to get into a book club because I love talking about books. Again, it's Fives can be a little all over the place, but I think that whenever they are into something, they are there to like really understand again on the intellectual level, what's going on, whether it is a nonfiction or a whole fiction genre. So I thought that those were really good insights from our Fives. So there was a lot of great feedback in our communities. Katie, I know you guys, that I had so much fun reading what you guys had to say. I know you did too, Katie.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so fun. And I just love that we're so diverse. Like our group is so diverse, even if we don't yes. maybe look at it from the outside, our personalities are so diverse. And I love that we have a bunch of different types of readers and yes. a bunch of people who like to think about their reading life. That is Because there's not a lot of people in my immediate life that are huge, huge readers. So I have found community online with readers. And that has been so great, especially in this year of the coronavirus. Yes, definitely, definitely. Okay, well, I said at the top of the show that we were
1: going to share some of our kind of favorite books or picks. In fact, you and I both recently read a new Enneagram book that I thought we could talk about. Since we are talking about reading, let's talk about books about the Enneagram. This book just came out last year and it's called The Honest Enneagram. Know your type, own your challenges, embrace your growth. It's by Sarah Jane Case, who is on Instagram at Enneagram and Coffee, like one of the wildly popular Enneagram accounts on Instagram. So Katie, you suggested this book. You said you thought you'd pick it up and read it. I did too. Tell me your thoughts, especially as someone who's sort of like relatively new to the Enneagram. What did you think of the Honest Enneagram?
0: I thought this one was a really good overview of every number. She's very, I listened to it on audio. I kind of want to go back and buy a copy because I want to like underline all the things, but yeah, it's a very good overview. She talks about the subtypes, which I'm pretty new to this, the three different subtypes for each type, the social, the one-on-one, I don't remember the other one. Um, self-protection. Yeah. Yes. And so I was really interested in that part. She does talk about how our wings affect us and how different types look in different stress and health. And I thought it was a really good overview. I also thought she was just really compassionate and generous. And like, these are the things that are really good about you. And she even writes a little love letter at the end of each chapter to each type. And I just really liked that because I think a lot of times when we talk about the Enneagram, we can focus on these are the things that are pretty gross about yes. you and you need to fix them. And yes. I felt like she really was lean into your strengths here. And she had a lot of great advice for self-care and how to recognize when you're in that stress, how you can kind of get yourself out of it. And I really liked it. What did yes. you think about it?
1: I also really appreciated her compassionate, empathetic, supportive view on the Enneagram. I really feel like, like if an awesome wrote a book about the Enneagram, it would be the honest Enneagram, mm-hmm. which the title can be a little bit like, wait, how honest are you going to get with me? <laughs> like you said, a lot of times, and some types are more sensitive to this than others. But a lot of times when you first get into the Enneagram, it's like, well, this feels terrible. Like yeah. this, I know I, all these things are what's wrong with me, but now everybody knows. My friend Stephanie, who's a four, often says like, I don't like to tell people I'm a four because then I feel like they know all of the worst things about me right off the bat. (laughs) But I do feel like that Sarah Jane does a great job of encouraging you to value all of the great things that your number brings to the table and helps you recognize when you're in stress, how you can kind of find a path towards healthiness. I think that it's just so remarkably compassionate I would say for anybody who is new to the Enneagram, they're maybe don't know their type yet or just exploring their type, this is going to become my go-to recommendation. It really is. In the past, I've recommended The Road Back to You, which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. Ian Crone, Suzanne Stubill. And I do think that that is a great book and that has an actual like companion podcast series. Ian Crone and Suzanne Stubill both have their own independent ones now, but when The Road Back to You first came out, they did a whole series that went along with the book it's really good, but it's almost like, I just, I really appreciate the gentleness of the honest Enneagram more. And maybe that's a nine thing. I don't
0: know. I liked um, it too. I felt like, I mean, I love her Instagram handle is Enneagram and coffee. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why she made that, but I feel like it is like sitting across at a yes. coffee from a my friend at a coffee shop and her totally. telling me about the Enneagram. So I like that too. She you feel comfortable and yes. it wasn't so like, who. Exactly.
1: So yeah, that's definitely going to be my go-to for sure. Now, the other one that I always recommend to people, and you kind of touched on this, for people who really have a hard time settling on what their type is, or they're just like, you know what, I've read all the basics. I'm pretty sure I know I'm this type, but they want to go a little bit deeper. I do always recommend Beatrice Chestnut's book, The Complete Enneagram, 27 Paths to Greater Self-Knowledge, because that is the book that breaks down each of the subtypes for every Enneagram type. So again, Katie kind of touched pick on this that one up. <laughs> It's really good. It's really good. Even if you only just want to read about your number, like even if you just want to know the three different subtypes for threes, it's worth it to pick this book up and check it out. So, the
0: oh, but then I couldn't count it as a completed <laughs> book. Meg. I would have to read the whole
1: thing. Yes. You have to read it cover to cover. You will know the Enneagram so well, Katie. <laughs> you could become the go-to Enneagram person in your life after you read this book. So maybe that's a good motivation <laughs> for you. Like you mentioned, there's three subtypes. And in the audience Enneagram, she does touch on this, but it in no way covers the depth that Beatrice Chestnut does. And she's, Beatrice Chestnut is sort of like, she was one of the pioneers of talking about the subtypes. So in every number, there is the one-to-one relational, social, or self-protection. And This book can be so enlightening because you can be a self-protective four and your approach to the world is going to be wildly different from even like what a social four looks like. And so if you feel like, you know, I I kind of identify with a lot of this, but there's some things that don't ring true. Like I have said this before, I will never stop beating this drum. The trope, the meme of the nine who likes to take a nap. It makes me so furious, Katie. Like that's when I connect to my nine anger. (laughs) Is when people want to come at me about napping. I do not nap. I do not have time to nap. (laughs) I don't even like naps. It makes me so mad. Well, as it turns out, napping is a thing that a self-protective nine might like to do. I'm more of a one-to-one nine. So anyway, this book by Beatrice Chestnut is fantastic. If you want to go a little bit deeper or if you want to figure out like, why do none of these resonate with me? You might find yourself in the pages of that book. So
0: that sounds good. I read the sacred Enneagram by Chris oh, yeah. Edwards, mm-hmm, last year. And I worked through the workbook with that one with a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of did a chapter and then talked about it, but this one was really heady and worse yes. the- like theological. Yeah. So it was definitely more from a Christian perspective. I'm not sure that I understood all of it in its depth because it goes to places and I was like, what This doesn't make sense. But I did understand a lot more about the head and the heart and the gut triad from that book. And then also how our Enneagram numbers relate to our spirituality and how we kind of connect with God or connect with others in a more spiritual sense. So I did enjoy working through that one too. Yeah. And if I recall, I think he's a five. So he, I think he's an eight. An eight. Okay. Yes. Well, I was
1: thinking wrong.
0: I could be wrong. I haven't but... read
1: that one. Yeah. Now I do remember that he was friends with and kind of did a companion discussion series with sleeping at last who mm-hmm. did the whole enneagram song series which is fantastic so and good. is fully complete now all the numbers he has all of the numbers released it's so beautiful i'll put a link to that where you can find that like on spotify the whole collection that sleeping at last did it's so beautiful and i think that every person listens to their number song and is like oh my gosh she
0: totally <laughs> gets me <laughs> Yeah. I totally feel that way. I love him. And I love, I love all of his music. We got like really into his, my kids and I got really into the rest of his music. So definitely like that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else come to mind for you? Those are some of my top ones. Those are my top books. Typology is a really good podcast that Ian Crone does that I've listened to. I like that one because he usually puts what number the person is that's his guest. And so Mm -hmm. you can kind of just go, you don't have to listen to all of them. You can kind of just go through and listen to the ones that was really helpful for me figuring out what I was. Cause I listened to a bunch of type ones. And then I started to be like, nah, this doesn't feel right. So then I went back and listened to all his three guests. And that one was, one I was like, okay, yes. Jen Hatmaker also on for the love mm-hmm. and Annie on that sounds fun podcast. They both did some really great Enneagram series in the past. I want to say year. Yeah. They had a different guest for each number. Richard Rohr was Jen Hatmaker's one guest and I just love him. I love his voice. He's so calm. Yes. He's so gifted about the Enneagram. I mean, he's one of the original teachers, you know, so hearing from him was really good. Yeah. I just want to shout out Currently Reading Podcast too because they talk about their Enneagram types a lot as it relates to what they read and how they feel about what they read. And so I feel like a lot of people have found the Enneagram from them too, just because it's something that they talk about. So yes, I love how much they
1: interweave Enneagram talk on there. In fact, you and I both are in their Patreon group mm-hmm. on Facebook, and that comes up a lot in there because they talk about it so much on this show. I feel right. like there's a lot of spillover, a lot of talk about Enneagram and reading in there too. They do a great job of that. If you guys like this crossover talk, go listen to Currently Reading. You will super love it. So I'm sure many of you are already. All right. Katie, this was such a fun discussion. Oh my gosh. I love it. I am always up for Enneagram talk. Then to do like a sort of crossover with reading talk has been so fun. So thank you so much. And awesome community. Thank you guys for your responses because this helped us to understand the different numbers and their perspectives so much more, I think. So yeah,
0: one of the things that bothers me a little bit about the Enneagram is when it becomes like a caricature thing. Yes. Oh, this fives are always look like this. And Mm -hmm. sevens always look like this. I love that our community came forward and said, I am a three and this is what I look like. I am a seven and this is what my reading life looks like. So we got to hear so many different perspectives and they did fit into those frameworks Mm -hmm. that Enneagram has set up, but they weren't all the same. It wasn't all the same. So I love that. Yeah, me too.
1: Okay. Well, if you guys want to go check out where Katie is, because again, like I said, she's going to be a regular talking books and reading with me many times through the year. So if you want to go find her on social media, Katie, where can we find you?
0: So Instagram is pretty much where I hang out for books and reading stuff. And my Instagram is Katie Proctor Writes and Reads. I share a lot about what I'm reading and, you know, social justice things that I'm reading and lots and lots of middle grade because that's my favorite. So that's right. And that's what you write. So. Remind people the name of your book and where we can find it. So my book is called My Storied Year and it is available everywhere on that you can find books. We also just came out with a little journal companion for it. Oh, fun. So in, throughout the story, there's different writing activities that he completes with his teacher in his English class. And so I put some of those activities in the journal and then just also came up with a bunch of fun prompts for kids. So if you have kids that are middle grade age and love to write, it's a fun little journal that they can fill out. It it. was just a fun little companion thing that we did. So, oh, that's so great. So
1: great. Well, if you want to find me on social media, I'm at sort of awesome Meg. Like I said, you guys can find the show in all of the places at sort of awesome show. And don't forget, you can listen to our daily podcast. Awesome today. My husband, Kyle and I, if you like an Enneagram five's perspective
0: on life, you get a full dose of it on awesome today. I can tell you that much. So Katie, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. So
1: great. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.